Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is, let's see, we got a little noise going on there. Um, today is Thursday. June the 2nd, 2016, and thank you everybody who's been sending me happy birthday notices. Today is my eternal day, one more time around the sun, and we welcome you to the show. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Are you mute challenged? Okay. Well, our website is www.whyagain, that's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if you go there and click, you can. there's lots of information about what we are about, and it's Aramaic Forgiveness. That's not letting another person off the hook for what they brought up in you, but it's going inside and removing what came up in you that does not belong. And I think I heard Michael's phone click. So are you with us now? I am. I am. Actually, my headset awesome. wasn't plugged in quite far enough, and it would not uh, let any sound through. So welcome. Honored, delighted that everyone who chooses to join us joins us, and... We all join in holding the space and wishing Jeannie a happy eternal day. Thank and you. someone posted, ready for her next trip around the sun. How cool. We're not going to talk about what the number is, because it doesn't really matter when you're eternal. But I'm honored to be here to share it with you and celebrate. Went out for breakfast today, and we're going to actually take the day off tomorrow and play for Jeannie's Eternal Day. Except so. for the radio show. We will be doing it. We will do the radio show, yes. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Well, today my thought was to talk a little bit about words. And you've heard me say often, and I keep going back to it because there's such a key in the whole process that quote from Vladimir Lenin that says, if you want to destroy a culture, all you have to do is change the meaning of its words. And to recognize that words are the key 
to the frequencies or the energies with which we create our world. We are each creative beings, and as creative beings, our words lead our creative ability or are at least reflections of our creative ability and always tell us where it's going. And so it's a really useful thing to, uh, to pay deep attention always to the words that you're using because words will reveal to you. You know, oftentimes people say, well, Michael, you know, how did you know that about me? You know, here I am. You just met me and, and we talked for three minutes and you told me this about myself and I never had that insight and I never realized it. So all I did was listen to your words and reflect them back to me. You told me what was going on. We're always telling ourselves. Oftentimes, we tell ourselves about ourselves in the words we use about others. At least we think we're using them about others. But the words that we use always reflect the content of the mind that's using those words. The realities we look at always reflect first the content of our own minds. And once you recognize that, then you realize you've got a big clue for going inside yourself and cleaning up what doesn't belong. I remember working with one gentleman. Oh, this goes back a couple of years now. And he was all about these enemies that don't care and, you know, why they deserved in war to be slaughtered and, you know, on and on. And I mean, the conversation just went on and on and on, and this belief about these enemies and how they don't care. And about maybe three minutes later in conversation, we're, we're processing some, some hot topics. And what are the next words out of his mouth? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It's like, so notice that. The reason you think that somebody else deserves to die is because they don't care. And you notice what's happening with your health and the things that you're doing that are creating diseases in you. And you just told me you don't care. So what you're telling me is that someone who doesn't care deserves to die. And you're doing it to yourself. Paying attention to words is a big key in the process of healing. And shifting, not the words themselves, that's not that important. Oftentimes when uh, we'll point out destructive speech, you know, and we spend a lot of time in our laws of living intensive looking at speech, and a lot of times we point out destructive speech, somebody will say, well, well, just tell me the right words to say. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not about changing your words. It's about changing the root of your words. It's about changing the thoughts that reflect as your words. And as you start to delve into yourself, you know, uh, Shakespeare said it very eloquently, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. So, and, and, you know, we listen to psychology that tells us that at least 90 to 95% of our thoughts remain unconscious. So if 90 to 95% of our thoughts remain unconscious and thought is the key to how we create our lives, and it is, then are we creating unconsciously? As you pay attention to your words, you get to drop into 
parts of your mind that perhaps you didn't know were there. And one of the ways you do that is you listen to your words. And as you listen to your speech, again, it's not about correcting. It's about dropping into the part of the mind where that speech originated. And this is the genius of what forgiveness does, a la Yeshua's first century Aramaic forgiveness, is that it is the key to dropping into the unconscious parts of your mind. Forgiveness is you know, this whole baloney that's been built up by the Greeks that forgiveness is about how I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me is crazy. Never forgive anybody ever again. People say, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I have to forgive myself. No, never forgive yourself for anything because you can't. Forgiveness isn't about letting myself or somebody else off the hook because I'm in pain or trauma or turmoil or using destructive speech. And it's not about replacing my destructive speech. It's about accessing the root of my destructive speech so that I can access the root of my creative process. So forgiveness collapses the attention paid to the surface mind, what we normally give give ourselves permission to look at, and allows us to drop into the deeper hidden parts of the mind where healing is needed. And when I can drop into those places and I bring the presence of love, there will be correction in the energetic dynamics of my structure literally, physical or so-called physical structure, and my emotions, my thoughts, and my feelings. Correction will occur. Then the words that one says, well, just tell me the right words to say, will spontaneously flow because that part of the mind has been healed. And this whole work, this all we're here to do is to support people in healing their minds so that their minds become a fit place for the beings that they are, that we are, to express. And, you know, as we've talked about often, and I'll say it another million times if you keep listening to the show, you know, Jeannie starts out the wise is having to be again workshop with a question. How many have ever held a newborn child? Hold a newborn and you know what human life is. It is this awesome presence of love. If you haven't got one of those, If you live in a world where that doesn't show up in you or doesn't show up in you very often, then here's what I know about your life. You make some lousy choices. In fact, you don't make any choices at all. You make lousy decisions and you pretend they're choices and those decisions simply replicate what went on in the past. Choice comes from being. Choice comes from showing up in your own mind and body as the active presence of love. It doesn't come from your mind spitting up dynamics that come from the past and those dynamics pretending to be something that's true now today. So as you clean out, as you look at the generational dynamics that are stored within your genes, you drop into those parts of your mind, then you get to change and rewrite those parts of your mind. And it is your birthright to live as the active presence of love. It is your birthright, 24-7, 365, to experience yourself as functioning out of active present love. 
That's what you're designed for. That's what you're made to do. That's what we're each made to do. So going in and changing and accessing, pardon me, and changing the root of what doesn't belong in you, you get to change the whole game. You get to literally rewrite your genes. And as you write, rewrite your genes out of this awesome active presence of love, then everything changes. Posted on my Facebook page this morning uh, a quote that someone else, a reposted one that someone else had, uh, had posted from Bruce Lipton, cell biologist. And here's how Bruce says it. Perception is awareness shaped by beliefs. Beliefs control perception. Rewrite beliefs and you rewrite perception. Rewrite perception and you rewrite genes and behavior. This is a cell biologist. This isn't some airy-fairy, you know, whatever. It's a hard scientist coming out of the laboratory. Rewrite perception and you rewrite genes and behavior. I am free to change how I respond to the world. So as I change the way I see the world, I change my genetic expression. We are not victims of our genes. We are masters of our genes. Now I'd offer one little addendum there. We are designed to be masters of our genes. But most people are run by the rote memory stored from the generations and the patterns so unconscious as to be unaware of what's running their lives. And, and people who live there think they're living an original life. One of my early mentors, one of his favorite phrases was to say that 100 million million people live and die every century and never even know that they've lived. Because if you never wake up from being run by your genes, by the patterns of your generations, then you don't get to live an original life. You get to replicate the lives of the past. We're here to support you, and of course we're here to learn for ourselves. In every arena where something in your genetic patterns wants to write itself in your life for you to become conscious of it and to become an original creator creating originally. And that means you have to tap into mind energy other than what's already stored within your structure. If you go to the opening words in the book of John, the opening words in John do not say in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh as we're told by the Greeks. It says in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. Your mind energy is literally writing your genes. And then the generational patterns in the genes tend to run most people's lives. So the original creative process stops. You'll know you're living in the original creative process when this sweet, awesome presence of love fills every cell of your structure and you create from that to do that all you have to do is delete what is not like love I'd offer that the whole world you know the, the, the biggest atrocity done to us as human beings down through the ages and that we bought into is that we've had hidden from ourselves the fact that we are by nature creators you and I are creative beings 
which everybody loves. Everybody loves that idea unless the creation is not going so well. And then doesn't everybody know who the problem is? And isn't their name them? If only they changed, my life would be okay. No, no, that's a lie. That's a genetic lie. You have to drop into what replicates the patterns from the generations in your life, what takes you out of hostility or fear. Nothing anyone else has ever done has taken you out of the presence of love. You've given it up to that which is stored in your genes. And so forgiveness deletes that content and gives us the opportunity to do some original writing, and that's what we're here to do. And we're honored to get the chance to do it with you. We're delighted that you're here. Absolutely in deep appreciation of the fact that we have this technology where we can be talking to you right now, wherever you are. We had a gentleman who called in yesterday. I'm not sure what his accent was. It sounded like it might have been New Zealand, Australia. I'm not sure. Maybe a British accent. It's just it was kind of an unusual accent, cool accent. Not sure where he was from, but you know we've got this technology that we can be talking to people all over the world. And here I am sitting on my phone in my bedroom in Ellington, Florida. And Jeannie's sitting in the living room. We're in two different rooms because the phones collide with feedback if we don't do that. But just having this technology that we can be doing this, what a gift to have access to this information. And in particular, what a gift to have access to your commentary your questions and your thoughts because it is the questions that open the space for the answers to come. So honor that you're here and uh, let's check in and see if Dr. Tim is with us. He is and he's on. Well, let's say hello to the young man and see what he's got to share with us. Probably a a report from Tuesday night. Well, I'm doing well and um I listened to the archive of the show from yesterday, and it was nice to hear Gail on and our mystery caller from perhaps another continent who had all kinds of um, connections to science and philosophy. Um, And Tuesday night, our, our group, I think we had nine people plus me, including a mystery visitor, um, Gail stopped by, so that was delightful. She was on her way from the trip in Minnesota that she talked about on the show yesterday back to her town in southern Illinois, so she got to reconnect with one or two people that she had known from previous intensive activity, and uh, And we watched the last, oh, I'd say 20 minutes of Introduction to Course in Miracles with Advanced Understanding. And then we watched the 35 or 39-minute post that you put on your YouTube channel about what is the world, the message you gave to the church or spiritual center. So it wasn't the full what is the world video that you've redone, but it was the um, the 39-minute version of it. And then that right. led to some interesting discussion, and then somebody did a, a wonderful worksheet, and um, and we wrapped it up and sent people on their way. It was, as usual, uh, just a, a lovely group. We had um, 
We had some conversation about putting people on a pedestal and thinking that some people are better than others or more advanced than others. And so I recommended that everybody who has any questions about that listen to the October 14th, 2015 Internet Radio Show, the Mind Shifter Show, because it's in that show that I... I had the stuff flowing through me about that that came out the best it's ever come out for me. And uh, and we just had a lovely, lovely time. And it was, a, it was a, a blessing to get to meet Gail. Awesome. Fabulous. Well, any patterns that you're seeing to, uh, to share with us in your uh, work with people today or the last couple of days? Well, primarily um, in the last couple of days, it's been this um, the outward focus on the blame, and it, it, it's not coincidental, but it ties into what you were talking about with words and the regulatory speech. You know, I, I've had a couple of people I've worked with, well, several actually, in the past two days, where. They've been working with this work for quite a while, and they make the statement, and I know I need to cancel this goal, and I know I need to do my own work on this. And it's interesting to me how, and then they launch into talking about other people. It is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I, take a, I take a breath, and I ask them to take a breath, and I say, now, notice that you just said that you know you need to do your own work, and then you followed it up with statements about how this person caused this reaction in you and this person caused less of a reaction in you. And then they tweak the words a little bit and they say, no, I understand. I just misspoke. Here's what I really mean. And then they come back and say a slightly different version of the same thing, which is still having the focus on my upset is because they did this. And And all the while proclaiming, I know this is my work, right? Well, and, and, but, but here, <clears throat> they think they've made the correction because they say, my upset. And they've missed the part of the work, and you've only come to this in the past few years, this very clear definition for denial is anytime I think or speak as though someone else is the cause of my internal experience. And so that when I say, my upset, I think I'm owning my upset. But when I follow it with, is because this or this, I've just flipped the tables and gone back into denial. And that very subtle but powerful correction is, in my experience for myself and working with others, one of those more advanced levels of denial. So I'm I'm working... I and. I'm working with the system, and I want to understand how I'm doing this to myself so I can dismantle it, and yet my unconscious mind will go to great lengths to hide from me its subterfuge, its denial, its trickery. So that's been the pattern that's really been a challenge in some in some sessions. As a matter of fact, um, within... The past couple days, well, actually, the past three days this week, 
I've had several people actually get upset with me, even though they've been doing this work for more than a year, and they actively do either the worksheets or the mind shifter tools between sessions. And somehow or another, my words strike them in a way that that leaves them with the feeling I'm attacking them as I try to reveal to them what their words are showing. So that's been the pattern. Well, I've never had that one happen, Tim. Oh, come on, search your databanks. I'm sure there's one or two times that's happened. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you know, it, it's interesting you bring that up, that coming to the denial part of the definition of it. And I can remember the day so clearly, and I don't know, it's probably maybe five years ago now. So I've been teaching the worksheet process in the specific uh, core of forgiveness for 35 years. So probably 30 years it took me to be able to hear. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the ancient teachings talk about the still small voice. So for 30 years when I taught, why is this happening to me again? I'd start up there and I'd put deny and then, the next step was suppress up at the top of the board if you watch the Y video. And the third one is project. And it was three words for 30 years appeared at the top of the board. And literally, I woke up out of a meditation one morning, and that still small voice stopped and said, Michael, it's not suppress, it's dissociate. And here's why, and there's where the definition of denial came from. Ah, when I think or speak about somebody else as being the cause of something happening inside of me, I dissociate from what's inside of me. And the reason I share that is to just open the space for everybody to recognize that that power that knows exactly how it all works is in every one of us to be accessed. I forget who it was that said, all you have to do is get your bloated nothingness out of the way. You know, the non-being self, the hostility and fear-based self makes so much noise that until you quiet that down, until you're out of your mind and quiet that down, you can't hear the higher instructions. And I'm offering that just because I recognize it about me. It took me 30 years to hear that. So so I understand why the first, you know, time or two or 10 or 20 or 50, Tim, that somebody hears it, you know, I've, you know, I've taught that Y workshop as many as three times in a day over the last 35 years. And so it took me 30 years. So I, I certainly understand why it's difficult for people to, to make that shift and to get that because we've been so bamboozled by this, these genetic patterns and this non-being mind and this belief in blame, you know, that it's all somebody else's fault. It's just, it's like so huge. And all the, you know, when somebody was pointing the finger at us, all the punishment that went down and all the garbage that was poured on us. And then that pain replayed, 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 carrying on the language and the tradition of the good old family feeling and doing the same stuff. It's certainly a, a fun challenge. And 
So I certainly join with you in being a clear space of courage because sometimes it uh, people can get pretty threatening when you start to show them their stuff. You know, you, you look at that story of John the Baptist and they took off his head. Why did they take off his head? Because they were in blockage of truth and John showed them something they didn't want to look at. You've got to be really careful. And, of course, I, I know you've practiced the skill and I still practice it, Tim, of knowing the one that John the Baptist didn't have, and that is knowing when to duck and when to hold the mirror up so that when people access their deepest pain and their deepest rage, we can support them in owning it to move back to the space where they recognize it's theirs instead of wanting to puke on you. And it's, uh, I mean, I still work daily on that skill uh, with people near and far. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely our learning process, isn't it? Well, it has been for me, and it's it's been a, a wonderful tool to to realize that the the way to use this communication device and the regulatory speech is twofold. One is to see what it's revealing to me about the content of my unconscious mind and then actually use the tools of the forgiveness process, the worksheets, and the mind shifters to unveil it more, to get at the source of it in my unconscious and dismantle it. And then at the second level, only after having done that, choosing to correct my speech so that I'm using the speech to energetically create and amplify more of what I want in my life. But if I choose awesome. to just correct correct the speech without changing the content, it doesn't it doesn't do anything but lock me in the at that prison. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well let's uh, say hello to some callers. Jeannie tells us we've got some hands up, so let's say hello. Jeannie? We we do. And the first one's area code two oh seven. You're on the air. Who do we have? This is Shelley. Well, hey, young man, welcome. How do well, you be today? You. I'd be absolutely fabulous. Say congratulations on the anniversary. And then I want to say congratulate because the anniversary was just here in the last couple of days, right? Yes, it, it was. was. Thank you. Yeah, Sunday. Sunday, yes. Congratulations. Our 11th, uh, our 11th anniversary of marriage and our, what, 12 and a half years of being together. It's awesome. What a blessing. Awesome. 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 And I want to say it's, I'm kind of confused on the Facebook. Whose birthday is it? Whose eternal day is it? It's mine. Jeannie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Happy and birthday. On the, on the Facebook page, on the Facebook page, J. M. Rice is Jeannie and Michael, and so okay, okay. Uh, it's Jeannie's eternal day today, so she's the Happy one who gets uh, congratulations and accolades. Yeah. Congratulations, young lady. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And you said the other day, Michael, you were talking about that once we reach we reach a certain point that we're constantly processing. And on that constantly well, processing, yep. oh, go ahead. Well, just when I talk about processing, of course, I'm talking about having love conscious, active and present when something less than love comes up. And, and what I've come to observe, and I've only seen it happen a few times, is that people get to such a point of, I guess I would say, momentum in their work 
that the veil, the barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious that reveals things when it's opened, the veil is open and love is present. Once one gets that, that deeper experience of the presence of love, then that material that is, you know, when we talk about 30 generations, there being 1.7 billion people in our bloodline, that that database, so to speak, that giant uh, multi-generational database that's held in our genes is in continuous correction in that process point. And I've seen people go into it for a period of minutes, days, weeks, months, and longer. Okay, so so once we let's say somebody reaches that point where they're constantly processing and 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 it, they're just that veil has been lifted, does that mean that 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 person has reached a point that they don't have that pain and misery that has been tracking them all their lives that that's just been no. causing havoc and chaos? Does that mean that's pretty much processed out and gone and they've dealt with all of that? I mean, what does that mean in the in the in that? No. Once you reach a certain vitality is what I guess what I'm asking. Once you reach a certain vitality, does that mean it's just so much easier to deal with when it comes up? It's easier, but it doesn't mean you're finished. You know, let's imagine one of the things that I've done often in class is I'll I'll have a set of water paints and I'll take a clear vase filled with clean water and then I'll take and I'll I'll talk about, you know, the experience that happened when you're three and I'll get some blue paint and I'll put it in the water and then the experience that when you were five and then and then there's your jeans and here's some black paint and some red paint. And and then I'll I'll hold that up after doing that several times. I'll hold it up and, and look through the jar. And, of course, it's so clouded with colors that I can't see out and nobody can see in. But I'll hold it up and I'll say, and see, I see the world really clearly. And what I'm really looking at all the while that I think I see the world really clearly is what I've stored within my own perceptual device called a body-mind unit. And so then I'll take a uh, a jug of clear water and I'll pour in, let's say, an equal amount. If the the jar that I'm using for the demonstration holds a quart of water, I'll pour a quart of water in, and, you know, the water overflows, and the water gets a little clearer, and I hold it up, and I'll say, oh, there, see, now I see clearly, and it's like I still can't see through it, and nobody can see in, but I think I'm seeing the world clearly. I know how the world really is. I know how you are, and I'm looking through my own perceptual filters. So, to me, it would be the space where the lid is off of the jar and I'm continuously pouring clean water in the active presence of love and it's displacing the hostility and fear-based mind until I've got a clean jar of water. And my experience is over the years that for people to really get a handle on that process and start to really comprehend it and move through it, is that it takes somewhere between five and ten years of committed doing of one's work to get to that point where the jar is getting starting to get cleared up. So it isn't when one goes to process point. And, and process point, I think, is a commitment to an understanding of the tools, the experience of being the presence of love, and the willingness to do one's work. All of those things, I, I don't know what all the factors are. Nutrition is a part of it. If one's nutritionally solvent, it's going to help that energy to move. So all of those factors that come together put us into that process point. And if we maintain our vitality and our willingness, then we're moving through things at high speed, fast forward. And it's a process that just takes time. Well, what I've experienced in the last 
I mean, you know what I've been experiencing in the last two or yes. three months. And and really the last, since I got back out from under the lock and key I was under, the um, I've actually started enjoying the processing and and having the things come into my life that are coming into my life. And I feel like I'm manifesting things at warp speed and that, that I'm just being taken care of by the universe. All of my energy is really totally, I mean, you know all the energy stuff that happens with me. I really feel like my energy mm-hmm. is just totally shifted being vegan now and drinking nothing but water and and, and doing my yoga. And okay. It's just amazing the, the, the vitality I feel like I have right now. I just feel like there's nothing I can't conquer. Right. They're all the factors that, that step into leading one to where they can live at process point and move through those layers and those levels. And, of course, willingness is one of the big ones, too. So, yeah, I hear you loud and clear. You're right on track. Is there anything I need to be aware of to make sure that I don't come out of this process point that I'm in? Well, if we were at an intensive, you know, in that intensive you did a few weeks ago, you know at this point I'd be turning to the board and writing all of the above. Every tool, every minute, every word, every all of the above. It's like, you know, if you went back, we've got over 1,500 hours in the archives of the radio show. If you went back and listened to every hour, Dr. Tim has never said a word about anything other than, Jeannie's never said a word about anything other than, I've never in all those hours said a word about other than, here's how you do it. It's all of the tools. It's all of the work. And the integrating above. and, yeah, all of the above. And, you know, uh, the average person says, you know, oh, this is getting too intense. This stuff is moving. It's not Dr. Feelgood when the deeper stuff moves. It's exciting. It's enlivening. But it's not always Dr. Feelgood. There's some pretty heavy-duty stuff in there for most people. And that's where people say, well, you know, I think what I'll do is just go out and get myself some ice cream. Let me let me have a, a soda with 16 teaspoons of sugar, some caffeine, and some phosphoric acid in it. That'll make me feel better. And they reach for their anesthetic, and that just shuts the thing down. You know, at intensives, when we did, you know, each intensive, we'd do a movie night. And at intensives, we used to serve popcorn on movie night. And you remember in the intensive, we served nothing but all fresh and raw food would actually comes from the ground. And... The one year we had a gentleman there. He was an older gentleman who actually was at Heartland for the whole summer. He was there for about, I think he was there for 45 days. And we're on about day, I don't know now, I don't remember, 25, 30, 35, something like that. And he is in a major healing process. This guy came uh, to the intensive requiring insulin in order to live. And he gave up his insulin. And he is just, he's in pretty close to process point. He's really rocking. And we did movie night and we served popcorn. And everybody could just see his whole energy field collapse. And that was like it just was a stop on his processing. That was the last time we served popcorn in intensive. It can be that subtle a factor. So, yeah, it's all of the above. and, And when people are getting ready to face something they really would rather not face, usually they'll turn to a drug, you know, something like what Tim was talking about. They'll turn their hostility toward him or whoever. I I, I loved yesterday's definition from Gale of a pigeon in the AA group, and that is, well, these are people who 
poop on you, who go run away, who poop on you and then run away and then come back and poop on you and fly away and come back. And that's kind of what Tim was saying. And, you know, it's just part of the process of uh, of healing that that's going to happen to people until they go, oh, oh, that's right. I'm feeling this. This is mine. I don't have to take it out on anybody. I can remain connected to loving, gentle, respectful energy. Well, this insanity is moving in me, and I can let my insanity move and clean it out. Yeah, but now, from my experience from that, when you're actually processing that stuff out, it's not always pleasant for the people around you either. Yeah, well, it's that's... Gotta, it's got to come out. Well, it, it, it isn't coming out if you're not being pleasant with the people around you. It's coming up, but it's not coming out. You know, with what Dr. Tim was just sharing, if he's sitting with somebody and he feeds back to them, well, I noticed that you're, you know, you're talking about somebody else while you're in your pain, and that's denial and dissociation, so come back. And then they turn the hostility to him. It's up, but it's not moving out at that place. You're not in process if there's hostility expressing. You're in process when love is conscious, active, and present, and the hostility, the fear, the rage, the guilt, the grief, the pain, the drama and trauma come up. You're processing when love is conscious, active, and present, but it takes that conscious, active, present love to create the dissolution of the garbage. So there's a difference. So, you know, others around you may be in their own pain if you are in process and you're sharing what's coming up and that energy's moving, but the difference is you stop processing the minute you turned it on somebody else. The processing was over, mm. and that just means stuff's up in your face and it's running the game. The difference is, am I maintaining the active presence of love? I, I remember a couple of years ago, you've met uh, Michael, and he shared this on the show, but uh, two years ago at Heartland, he was probably – he was there for the whole summer. It was a 60 – I think it was a 65-day summer, and it was probably about day 40 that Jeannie actually breathed him into an energy field work. The whole group was doing a still point session. And Michael, when he came out of that session, could hardly speak. He might have said three or four words in four days. He never said a word. He just walked around in that connected space. It was interesting. It it actually reminded me last night. I was talking to somebody last week, and they inspired me to rewatch the movie The Ten Commandments. And it was a scene that I hadn't really connected with that deeply before in the Ten Commandments that I think Cecil B. DeMille captured very powerfully. And Moses goes up on the mountain and he gets to connect fully, totally, completely, directly with the active presence of love, which people call God. And I thought that... um, Charlton Heston, if you if you watch this film, Charlton Heston really played the part well when he comes down off of the mountain and and it was just exactly the space. I mean, Heston just was a mirror image of what Michael went through in that four day in depth connected processing point where love is just so present that, you know, the, the normal stuff of the day just doesn't mean anything because you're in that connected space. So that's the ultimate goal of the work is to get to the point where we live there. And then living there, it's like, you know, you've got this unlimited reservoir of clean water 
And even with your 1.7 billion people in your bloodline, your genetics, it's like, well, you're just one small container that's getting flushed out and all of the genetic garbage is dissipating and disappearing. But the key is, it happens when love is conscious, active, and present. And it it has to be there. That's where actually that term, I don't even know how long ago I, I started using that term, but that's the key to the whole process. That's where healing happens. So so when you're going through the, um, when, a, when a person is going through their their negative garbage and they're, they're not surrounded by people that are active, present, and love and conscious, isn't that going to change their processing ability to to no. something other than a pure? No, my my take would be that, you know, if if I'm in my stuff, if I'm in that process point and stuff is moving for you, so love is present and I'm moving through stuff, and let's say something that I'm moving through triggers something in someone else and they go nuts. If they go nuts, quote unquote, they go into their hostility and fear and start puking on me, whatever comes up in me is my process. Whatever I can't hold love present for is my work. So if they're triggered into activity, they may trigger something even deeper in me. The key is, am I staying connected to the presence of love or am I all of a sudden buying what they're going through? And when I say buying what they're going through, I'm saying whatever's happening for them, is that resonating something even deeper in me that I can't handle, don't want to deal with? Certainly, the whole idea, and that's why an intensive is about holding that space, and that's why we spend so much time doing the love exchange to practice holding the presence of active love so that when somebody goes into that stuff, the, the heavy-duty, you know, really dastardly stuff that a lot of people carry around, that there's at least one person in the space that can hold to the active presence of love when that happens. Because in most circumstances, you know, if you're at the office or you're out in the street or you're wherever and that stuff is moving you, people go berserk because it resonates in them what they haven't dealt with. People don't, until people understand the tools, I I think most people don't like to be around people who are in process because it's not always pretty. Okay. So, so when I went to that intensive thing I went to for 34 days, the, um, it was the most spiritual, loving place I have ever been. I was around 40 of the most beautiful people I have ever been around in my life. And all they did, all, it was just pure love, no matter where you went. It was, if you were upset and crying, 20 people would show up and give you hugs and love and tell you it's going to be okay. And nice. I, and, and yeah, that's it. That I think that really, truly helped me. My, my processing just boom went through the roof because I don't think if I hadn't have had all that Absolutely. surrounded by all of that love that I never would have been able to process at the speed exactly. that I process. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In an intensive, the idea, say for instance, of practicing conscious active present love in the love exchange is so that when somebody pops into that, the others in the room, there's there is at least one person and preferably everybody who can be in that space of conscious, active, present love to support what's moving in any or everyone else in the room. So that was a blessing for me to go there. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the whole the whole bottom line it. is there's nothing like a little help from our friends. Oh my God, I, I never realized. You know, when I went there, it was um, they told they said this is your new family. You're at a family reunion. You might not like all of them, but you're going to love them all. They're all going to love you. They're all going to take care of you no matter what happens. And it was amazing that you that people would actually get mad at each other, but they would still hug each other and say, it's okay, I love you, we're going to work through this, rather than get the hell out of my apartment, get out of my condo, leave. It was just amazing. And I think that was, for me, that was just such. A, and now that you're saying that, I realize now that that was what that was all about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I hoping you. to see you guys on July 1st. And, um, All right, we'll look forward to seeing you. Congratulations on the anniversary. Have your happy eternal day, sweet beautiful genie. And you guys be safe. Thank you so much. All right. You're a guy. All right, lots of love and blessings. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Good to hear All from right. you. Good to hear from you. I'm glad to hear it's moving well. Everything's moving All well. Right, Thank genie. you. Cool. Blessings. Blessings. Yeah, All we right, have genie, um, got another caller. We do. We actually have four more hands up. So I know we're not going to get to everybody. We've got 10 minutes. So the ones that we don't get to, you'll have to call back tomorrow. This next one, I believe, is Rex to continue the conversation from yesterday, maybe. 517, you're on the air. Hi. It is. Hey there, young man. How's everybody doing? I apologize. I wasn't able to call in earlier. Sounds like you've had a busy day on the phones. That's good and a great program. Um, I was getting a I, I was just busy running some errands that ended up taking a long time, and I wasn't able to get back. The whole day has been uh, very interesting, but I did, to get right to it, um, because of the time, uh, I did have a question relative to our, our conversations we had the other day about um, the difference between thought, feeling, and emotion, and then we went back and did some more um, work with our uh, Rooker Group curriculum. Uh, we basically went back to the worksheet and found that it says, uh, and I quote, my denial causes my carbon-based memory or my mind to displace my experience of myself as my essence, love, and tells me the lie that my feelings are caused by my trigger. And when we read throughout the process, it says feeling, and one D it says I, I use to cause my feelings. And the only place that I saw that it has emotion is my emotional upset level. So the world kind of uses the words uh, feeling and emotional interchangeably. And as we were talking the other day, Michael and you and Tim and Jeannie and all of us were clarifying, the definition is different for feeling and emotion. So my question is, are we supporting telling our mind, our carbon-based mind, the recording device, the evidential recording device, when I use the word feeling and I'm actually referencing a, an emotion, am I telling my mind something that's, that's not accurate? That's the question and whether or not that is consistent in the worksheet because it seems to be inconsistent. And then the, the, the preceding question that I meant to ask is this. Is, are we getting to, I know in the work that I'm doing with the curriculum, it's very important, but in the work that we're doing here, I wonder if we're getting too um, hair-splitting, and it makes things more complicated. And I, I'm all about making, doing my best to allow things to be simple and support simplicity. 
So I'm, that's the first question. Are these, is this, looking at this in the way that we are for the worksheet process, um, supporting complexity? Or is it important, and those are my questions, and I'll do my best to come on the program tomorrow. I don't know if I'll be able to because I have a limited time uh, available. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Seeing as how Jeannie has uh, four other callers and our time, or three other callers and our time is short, uh, why don't we maybe see if we can plan to start a little earlier with the conversation tomorrow, and uh, and we'll go into that because right now, if you've got a if you've got a run, then we're kind of cutting short. We've only got about oh, eight minutes left now, anyway. So, so why don't we uh, so why don't I, we do that? Why don't we hold that question? <laughs> I, I would be willing to do it for the eight oh, minutes. We eight have. minutes. Yeah. Well, my take would be I don't. Yeah, my take is I don't think eight minutes is going to cover the conversation we need to do. I'd rather do yeah. it where we do have a, a bigger chunk of time. Okay. So would it work to do I, it earlier tomorrow? I will do my best to call in again. If I don't, I'll do my best to call in next week. It's all a, a, a day by day process. You know, with sure, the I understand. work that we're doing. I understand. How so about um, maybe oh, just yeah. drop me a text uh, or, uh, when you know what it's looking like, and uh, we'll see how we can best support it. Well, as of right now, um, let's plan on it. I'll call in at one, raise my hand, okay. and uh, if I don't, I will. I will contact you. Okay. And, and if I know you're doing do that, I won't. Even, I won't do an introduction. We'll just go right into the conversation. Awesome. Sounds great. Cool. All right, turn and, uh, let's Bye-bye. see if we can get the other caller. Okay. Okay, our next caller is 781. You're on the air. Who do we have? Hey, it's Ron. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday. Inter- thank happy you. Eternal. Yay, thank you. Yay. Right. Absolutely. I have Welcome. To Good to hear your voice. You. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the support over the last few days as well. You got and, it. And uh, I'll... I'll tune in tomorrow to hear Rex. My offering on that, and I'm, I'm going to just touch it and, and get on to something else. It's just that the, the the relevance of subtlety in all of this, and and the, and the um, there are uh, important subtle distinctions that that uh, I think. Well, I'll leave it at that. Um, so, uh, what I called for was this morning. I spent uh, some time. I, I went through the entire four hour. Uh, why this happened to me again video while reading what I transcribed um, on the treadmill. I had the treadmill going slowly and I had the the, um, the video sped up so I could get through it all in uh, just under three hours. And right. One of the insights, and I'm not proposing that this isn't something that you don't already know. I'm just for talking about it from what I learned, what I think I've learned and this morning, what kind of came to me was about the unconscious and the um, the kind of the, the way my mind is looking at it now differently from before. Right. Uh, before, I looked at the unconscious kind of like a big store of, like I imagine, you know, uh, experiences, and and it is that I believe that. But those experiences, my analogy for that was kind of like Bob Newhart's uh, office where all these different reasons why I have to get on the couch and look at every experience. And now what came to me this morning was kind of like um, uh, a control panel. Like in the unconscious is this control panel which has my personal code. And my personal code is, it's like the control panel has all these icons in it. And these icons are the experiences where um, 
where my personal where parts of my personal code were really were enforced were reinforced or discovered and so if you go to the Bill Constantino video for example where he talks about his problem with his boss resonating experience from when he was a child when he had uh, he had built a he had made a um, something in art class for his mom and his dad criticized it uh, that would be like an icon. That experience would be an icon. But underneath that was some belief, some part of his personal code about the world. And, and if he could heal that deeply enough, then all the icons in his control panel related to that uh, piece of his personal code would would heal. All those kind of experiences would collapse. Heals, would collapse. Yep. Yeah. So 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 what it became for me about was it. it I guess was this kind of getting this knowledge that it's not so much about I got to get in touch with these experiences. It's I'm going to get in touch with this, the unconscious is where my personal code is stored and the experiences are just my way to access what my personal code is. Um, I can't believe I've explained this to you in a way that you understand it. <laughs> I'm very pleased. <laughs> oh, I hear you. There's a great line in the Course in Miracles that says, that, that says you may wonder why you must look upon your hatred and realize its full extent. And then it goes on to say basically, and it's because all these things that show up in your mind don't stand on their own. There's all this stuff underneath it. <laughs> and right. yeah. the, the genius of the forgiveness process as Yeshua taught it is when I realize the whole process of what is moving in me and surfacing in me and creating this perceptual this whole world that i see is driven by my goals so instead of having to figure out this experience that experience that icon how it relates to that how do i I figure all that out all i do is cancel the goal drop into that part and bring love with me and bingo it starts to dissolve and i think that's a really um really neat kind of focus point teachable moment for people that are that are doing the work and learning about the unconscious it's like well do what that mean and and you said this michael i'm not uh, pretending yeah, that this cool. isn't something that you haven't said, but sure. um, the idea that does that mean I have to go back and and look at all my experiences? And I think that the, the subtle distinction there is, well, yes and no. I mean, it's not really we're not really after the experiences. We're after the pieces of personal code that that generate the software that guides your life today. So those well, experiences what really are useful. After- And we're down to just a minute, so it's going to have to be pretty quick. But what we're really after is to live as conscious, active, present love. It's not about laying on the couch and finding every deep, dark, dirty secret in that terrible thing that happened to me. It's walking through life as the active presence of love and noticing when something resonates in me that's less than that, identifying the goal that I hold that's driving my unconscious to utilize that particular data collapsing the picture world, the perception that I see and dropping into that part of the mind with love. And and it handles all the connections that need to be dissolved by that presence of love. That's what it's really about. Thank you very much. I'm complete with this. Thank you. Cool. Well, we're down the last few seconds. So I'm going to say have the best year yet of your eternal life and blessings. Bye-bye. I choose to live more consciously. Even-
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.